Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. Well, I, uh, I'm sad to report that the message from last week is not on the podcast because it didn't get recorded. So um, I don't know if that's for my protection or <laughs> or what. Uh, that that could be. I'm not sure. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I don't know about you, but uh, in in the last couple of weeks. Um, have you been doing a little soul searching? Because um, I, I think a, a serious question uh, for anyone who says that they're a Christian in America right now is, am I a part of the problem or a part of the solution? Um, and I'm, I'm asking that question. I, I mean, really. Uh, and I, I think the answer, uh, sort of like Joshua's answer when he was talking to the angel of the Lord, <laughs> and he said, are, are you with us or with the enemy? And <laughs> it wasn't the answer he was looking for. Um, so the answer to that question um, you know, am I part of the solution or part of the answer? Or the, the answer to that question, or am I part of the problem or part of the solution? The, the answer to that question is yes. Because, um, uh, you know, I, I, I really, I, I feel like... Um, The church in America, we're we're kind of reaping what we've sown for the last 20 years or so. In the 90s, the big thing was the church growth movement. Uh, let's be seeker friendly, and let's let's be seeker focused, and and let's let's get people in the door. And let's lower the bar really low in terms of what we're going to ask of people. And this, this is, is what we, we've reaped. Uh, George Barna and um, David Barton have written a new book and some of their research is disturbing to say the least. Uh, there's, There's a large number of people in America who identify as Christian but yet out of that 
80 or 80 to 90 percent, only about nine percent have a biblical worldview. Nine percent. This next statistic is, is maybe even more telling than that, that only 51% of pastors have a biblical worldview. Ouch. So is, is the church part of the problem or part of the solution? Yes. Uh, we we are the ones who have access to the unlimited power of heaven to accomplish the will of heaven on the earth. <laughs> but if 90% of Christians don't even believe that folks we we got a problem <laughs> yeah and and so you know what what we're seeing happen in our culture is is the fruit i think of the church kind of gone astray and you know I, I've got to own some of that uh, and and I, I really believe that the Lord is, is leading us to change some things uh, around here uh, and you know, uh, more is going to be asked of, of you in, in the days ahead. Uh, I, I felt some prompting uh, a couple years ago uh, toward a church covenant. And I, I started doing some research and uh, there just wasn't a, a burning in in my heart that man we got to do this. Uh, that has changed. Uh, there there is now a a burning in my heart that that we Cheyenne Vineyard would would become. A, a covenant people. And, and I, I think this is part of our response to, to what's happening in our culture. Uh, you know, I, I, I said last week, one, one of our responses had, had better be to renew our own personal covenant with the Lord. 
so, so that we can definitely be part of the solution and not nearly as much part of the problem. And mourning is uh, a good response for us uh, right now to what's happening in our culture. Uh, mourning for the covenant with the Lord that, that's been broken. Uh, really declared null and void by our Supreme Court. Uh, and, you know, I am... The first couple days after that, uh, I, my spirit was, was really in, in mourning. And I, I think that's an appropriate response for us. But... Uh, <clears throat> This, this book that George Barna and David Barton, Barton have written, it's called U-Turn, Restoring America to the Strength of Its Roots. And I, I have to admit to you, I, I have not read the book. I've, I've only read some things that uh, the publisher and others are, are saying about the book. Uh, and, and the quote of those statistics is is from the research that was done in, in the writing of the book. But, you know, the foundation of, of our country was, was very much laid by believers. And even the whole idea of public education, the, the main motivating force behind public education in America was so that every person would be able to read the Bible. And, and now they, they've got some statistics about that also. Only 30% of those identifying as Christian read the Bible and less than 10% have read it cover to cover. I mean, that's shocking to me. So, I mean, is it any wonder... Uh, if, if only 10% have read the whole Bible. Uh, that, that just... So it, it's no wonder that, that we are where we are. So, you know, I, I see difficult times coming for, for the church in America. I mean... We're already seeing uh, persecution of of Christians for standing up for things that they believe in, uh, and and I think we're going to see more of that. So, for for us as a fellowship, as as a a local church, I I think it's important that. It, if and when this, this persecution heats up, uh, that, that we kind of know that we have each other's back. That, that we have actually made some commitments to each other. Uh, and and we, we know what it is that we believe. And, and we're, we're in agreement with, with that. I mean, we may not all agree on 100% of 
everything, but we, we've got to identify and define some, some basics that, that yes, we, we all hold to these. And these, these may even be things that, that we would hold to to the death. Because in, in these days, I don't think it hurts to, to think that far down the line. Uh, if, if that day ever comes when, as some of our Christian brothers and sisters in Syria and Iraq and India and Burma, and uh, I could list 30 or 40 countries where Christians are being killed right now, uh, if if those days ever come, it it will help us to have thought, yes, I'm I'm willing to be a martyr. And and we know there's a great reward in the book of Revelation for martyrs. Um, when when Joy and I were teaching our kids, Diane <laughs> kind of freaked us out because she, she thought it, it would be really cool to be a martyr. <laughs> um, I don't know what she thinks today. It may not sound quite as attractive as it did when she was much younger. <clears throat> and when the the threat is a little more real. So, you know, I, I've, I've been coming to the Lord and, and saying, you know, Lord, what, what do you want us to do? Because uh, th this is the main thing. Uh, what, what does he want? And so I, I, I think I'm entering into a, a series of, of messages on what is the church? What, what is this supposed to be? Because I, I think from the research of, of Barna and Barton's book, I think there are a lot of people in America who think that they are saved or who think they are Christian because they they come to a meeting like this once in a while. <laughs> that ain't going to do it. Uh, it's, it's not going to do it for you. It's not going to do it for them. Um, <clears throat> that's, it, it's disturbing. Uh, even, even being... Uh, a faithful attender and, and one who participates in the programs of the church, is, that's not going to save anybody by itself. Now, now hopefully most churches where you would be involved in, in programs uh, and attending regularly, you, you would be confronted at some point with the need to be born again as, as Jesus told Nicodemus, because that, that is what saves us, is having faith in Jesus' completed work 
before us, that brings us into the born-again experience where the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us and our, our spirit is regenerated and becomes a place where the Spirit of the living God can dwell. And that will save us. And maybe I should even be a little more clear <laughs> because that phraseology, as hopefully some of you may have picked up on, is, is slightly inaccurate. Because... You know, I, I preached a series of messages on the difference between eternal life and inheriting the kingdom a while back. Well, inheriting the kingdom is, is really pretty much synonymous with salvation. Being born again is receiving eternal life. And I, I don't want to re-preach those that message or that series of messages right now, but I, I just need to point that out. There, there's a distinction. We we can have eternal life, and it can our growth can end right there. And that right there is a very serious issue for the church in America, because I think there are a lot of people in the church in America who have eternal life and that's as far as they've gone. And as, as I have sought the Lord on this, I, I think part of the reason for that is, is this whole church growth, seeker-focused movement that has lowered the bar of participation and discipleship to, to such a, a low level that when Barna does statistics on sinful things between the church and, and the world, there, there's, there's no it's a negligible difference. In, in divorce rates, in adultery, in lots of different issues. So, Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> and, and so, wanting to be part of the solution, more than part of the problem, uh, I, I think it's, it's time that that we really understand what the church is to be. Because God is the hope for our nation. He is the hope for every nation. And for God to for the hope of God for America to come forth, it, it's gotta come through the church. He's, he's not going to, he doesn't have a plan B. So, we, 
must become part of plan A for God, for, for America. And, and so what, what, does, what does this look like? Um, as, as we try to envision what the local church is, is supposed to look at, I, I went back to uh, the earliest days of America in the 1600s. And we, we had some early Congregationalists and some early Baptists who, who struggled with the idea of forming local churches. And they struggled with the question, you know, what, what constitutes a, a local church as, as the, the settlements kind of branched out and, and people moved out from the, the first settlements. And their, their answer time and time again was what made a group of people into a church was a covenant. A solemn pledge to one another that they would believe in Christ, obey Christ together. They would worship and minister in common. The people of a church would covenant together to be the body of Christ for each other, for the world and for the glory of God. So I, I want you to chew on that, that one, that one phrase in there, because I think that catches it more than anything else, is for, for us to covenant together to be the church for each other. Because you, I don't think I have to color that in a whole lot. Uh, if, if you can think about how you might want other people to be the church for you, that is exactly how they might want you to be the church for them. You know, that, that might be bringing meals to each other. It, it might be watching kids. It, it, it might be having dinner together. It, I, I mean, there, there's an endless number of things. And... The idea of, of church for many Americans, I think, is that, well, you know, we, we pay these guys to provide church for us. No. No. <laughs> Good, Doris, I, I like that. No. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think that probably is a really common idea. I mean, this is church, right? Mm -mm. <laughs> every, every one of us in here human beings, breathing air, we are the church if we've been born again. 
And, and herein is, is a, a difficulty in identifying the church that has existed from, from the very beginning. Get, find the one, Bev, with the, the people that kind of look like a building together. You see that one? I'm not sure where it is exactly. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Reality check. The, the building is not the church. I mean, th- this is really important for us since, since we're here sharing this building space with another group of people who are the church. <laughs> Sunnyside Baptist Church. Graciously sharing this place with us. So, I, I really believe that, that the Lord wants us to covenant together. Uh, and, and, and I think this is going to define a lot more clearly who we are. And you know, I, I really don't want to lose anybody, but I'm not afraid to. Because, you know, if, if we're going to be working side by side, we're, we're going to be sharing ministry together, we're, we're going to be maybe sharing food together if, if we need to, uh, you know, I, I, I want to know that, that we're, we're in agreement on who God is and, and who, who we are in Him and, and what He wants from us. Uh, you know, those, those are important things. So, the bottom line is, I, I, I think... And I take responsibility for this. I, I, I think uh, I, I've been too slack, too easygoing in, in this regard. Because uh, if, you know, if, if, if the time comes when we, we have to do some church discipline, uh, I, I want to have somebody that signed a paper and said, I'm going to submit to this. <laughs> and they may still not, but at least we can say, this, you know, that paper you signed and it said this, that this is that. And <laughs> we, hope, we hoped it never would come to this, but it has, and, and this is, what we are asking of you. Because that's part of the church being the church. And uh, I want to, I'm actually going to get to some scripture. Um, but I, I felt like uh, we, we needed some introduction to this. And, and the first passage that I, I was led to is is one of the passages where where Paul 
is talking about the church, but he's, he's sort of also talking about husbands and wives. Because for him, the, the two descriptions were, he couldn't hardly separate them. Because he, he understood Jesus as the bridegroom. And the church as the bride. And, and the best object lesson for, for that is a husband and a wife who, who love each other and serve each other and mutually submit to each other. So we, we need that understanding of Jesus as the bridegroom and, and the church as the bride. Because I'll, I'll tell you, the more, the more I dig into the bride and the wedding feast, the wedding supper of the Lamb, I'm, I'm pretty well convinced that just as there is a distinction between salvation and inheriting the kingdom, I think there is a distinction among those who have eternal life, who some are going to become the bride and some are not. And, and I think it's, I, I think the, the discussion of the wedding supper of the Lamb and the bride of Christ is, is, is pretty much the same as inheriting the kingdom. As, as I look at Revelation 19 through 22 and what we learned about eternal life versus inheriting the kingdom, there, there are some in, in the church, some who have eternal life who, who just are not going to make themselves ready. And so... What is the proper response of the church? Is, is it to say, oh, it's okay, there's, there's endless grace? Or is it to bring correction and say, hey, you know, this is, this is, what what this says and and this is what i see and you know they're they're not the same and so something's got to give here if if you want to keep going with jesus i think that is a role for the church and Honestly, I, I repent. I have avoided that. Maybe not as much as possible, but I have avoided it. I've done it sometimes. But 
you know, I'm ready to do it. We, we cannot mess around <laughs> anymore. We, we have messed around, and, and this is where we are. So I'm ready to quit messing around. Because uh, I, I would rather be in fellowship, in, in church, with 50 or 60 people who I am in covenant with. Who, who I know that together we are seeking God and, and we, we want God to get what He wants. And, and, and we're willing to change as, as He tells us to change. Then, then with 300 people, that's a lot more fun maybe during praise and worship because the voices are loud and there's a lot more energy. But 200 of them are just kind of there for the show. Okay, so what does Paul say in Ephesians 5? He says, look carefully then how you walk. And, you know, in, in reading the letters that Paul wrote to the churches, he, he never shied away from bringing correction where correction was needed. So, I'm learning. Okay. <laughs> okay. So look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, there's a whole lot there, but I'm going to keep going. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Wives, in terms of requirements, you just got it much easier. <laughs> if husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, 
so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So, there's, there's a whole lot of instruction for us right here. The first thing is, is to be careful how we walk. Because we're, we're in covenant with God. And, and that covenant with God the Son looks like a marriage covenant. And I, I think I talked a little bit about this uh, a couple weeks ago, about the different stages of a Jewish marriage, starting with betrothal, similar to engagement. But then, and, and a dowry was paid at that, at that point. Well, Jesus paid for us. But then the, the future bridegroom would go to prepare a place for the family to live, which is what we know Jesus has done for us. But the bride at that point, the future bride, did, did not just sit at home and eat bonbons. No, she... She was to go, go through a time of purification, uh, a time of sanctification, to set her apart for, for this future husband. That, that is the time that we are in, folks. And unfortunately, the, the church in America is, is doing a really poor job at facilitating that happening. So I'm, I'm committed to doing a better job. I, I am committed to, to all of you to do a better job with that. Because what, what it says here about... Jesus, uh, you know what that, starting in verse 25, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now the next part, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, 
so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Man, if, if only 10% of the people who identify as Christians have even read this whole book, the, the washing with water by the word is not happening. And, and we need it to happen. Uh, with, with some regularity, some structure, some power of anointing of the Holy Spirit on our reading and our time. Because we're asking the Son to wash us with the water of the Word. So that we might be sanctified and becoming holy and blameless. The, the bride that he wants. But there's, there's more of, about the church here uh, in, in the, the first part. Paul says, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. If, if only 51% of the pastors in America who identify as Christian have a biblical worldview... I, I would say probably less than half of the leaders of the church in America have any idea what the will of God is. Because most of them don't even believe what this book says about God and about what Jesus did and what the Father did in the Old Testament times and, and all that. Folks, we, we've got to get off of earthly ground onto heavenly ground. That is exactly what Paul is saying right here. Part of what he's saying. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Another way of saying that is understand what heaven wants. That's God's will. Understand what heaven wants. And pursue that. That is heavenly ground. If, if we're on earthly ground, we're, we're just concerned about what we want. And I, I had lunch with another pastor from town this week, and he, it, we have a good time together, and we encourage each other. And he's telling me they, they have these visitor cards in, in the back of their pews, and, and they got new ones. 
And so some of the people complained. I, I mean, good grief. You, you talk about being on earthly ground. I mean, Earth to Cheyenne, this is not about what you want. And it's not about what I want. Because if it is, it is actually something other than the church. We, we should call it something else. Because... I don't think God considers that. And I'm talking about the main thing, okay? <laughs> I'm not saying churches that have these little issues are, are not the church. That's not what I'm saying. But if our, our main thing is, is something that ideas that man has come up with and plans that man has made and the Holy Spirit is you know, off over there somewhere, and he hasn't even been consulted, then we're, we're getting pretty far off track. So, so Paul says, understand what the will of the Lord is. And then, then he, he says, don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And the best translation of, of that really is be being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's, it's a continuing present and future verb. And, and that is what we need. We, we need to be filled now and we need to be being filled more tomorrow and the next day so that we can, next verse, same sentence, we can address one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and sing and make melody to the Lord with our hearts and give thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Paul likes really long sentences <laughs> because he, he likes he has these ideas and he wants to get every part of that idea in the sentence. So in the church we're we're not to relate to one another according to the old way of thinking, according to the flesh, according to the old man. We're, we're supposed to relate to one another according to the Spirit. Because when, when we do that, when we relate according to the Spirit, then there, there is an encouraging and an empowering that happens you know, every, every time we interact. Because God is in the middle of it. And, and that, that's the way... He wants it to be. He, he designed it so that it could work that way. 
for us. And so all of us, we, we have a responsibility to one another to be listening to the Spirit of God. Hmm, I'm going to see John later today. Holy Spirit, what? Would you say anything to him? Is there anything I should pray for him right now that I can share with him later? Uh, let's just do that. Just as a natural part of, of who we are. And, and you, you see that uh, co-worker who really grates on your nerves. And, Lord, is there something I could say that would bless that person from you today? Wow. Wouldn't that be cool? Could change everything. And that person may no longer be the one who grates on your nerves, but the one you look forward to seeing every day because God did something. I, I've seen it happen. It, it's happened to me. So that... Yeah, that stuff about Jesus wanting to cleanse us. Uh, now I want to go back a little bit in Ephesians to, to Ephesians 4 because there, there's a little more good stuff about the church back in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So, <clears throat> the, the will of God for you, for me, is, is that we attain the measure of the fullness of Christ. As much as I would like to tell you that that's automatic, it, it doesn't seem to be. Unless maybe some of you know someone who's actually gotten there. 
Uh, I've not known anyone who has gotten there. But this is where God wants to take us. And I, I, I want to encourage, especially those who were not here last week, to, to look at the first three verses of Malachi chapter 3. Because I, I think there's, there's some keys right there of moving toward that fullness. And, and it has to do with asking the Lord to come to me and you asking the Lord to come to you as the refiner with his fire and as, as the launderer with, with his super oxy-clean soap. <laughs> Malachi would have said that if they had oxy-clean back in 600 B.C. <laughs> but they didn't. Uh, <clears throat> we we got to ask the Lord to get us there. And, and we've got to encourage one another in our pursuit of getting there. Because it, it is the will of the Lord that we all move toward that measure of the fullness of Christ. Because when, when we get there, and, and, and I believe a remnant will get there, before Jesus' return. That when we get there, then Christ will be able to come back. Because he will have a counterpart for a bride. And that, to me, is exciting. But the Lord gave leaders with certain gifts to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. I, I think we've done not too bad a job at equipping the saints for the work of a lot of the ministry. And, and we're going to continue that. But I, I know there's more the Lord has for us. So as we speak the truth in love to each other, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint, with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Those, the joints are the relationships of people in the body. 
see, God puts his people together, not because it's going to be easy on us, not even because it will be pleasant for us, because sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's not pleasant. Sometimes it's not easy. He, he puts us together because there's work that he wants to do in us. And you, you know what happens when, when iron sharpens iron? It's, it's ripping off little pieces of iron <laughs> with every pass. And forming it into something. And, you know, sometimes that's the way it is in, in the church. And it is by God's design. That there be pain and difficulty and misunderstanding and wrong reactions and all those things so that we can learn so that we can grow so that things can be exposed in us <laughs> and in others and and that's that's just the way it's supposed to work for for us to pretend that none of that stuff ever happens and just kind of sweep it under the rug, that, that sort of limits the effectiveness. And, and so God might have to do it a little worse the next time. So, <laughs> so don't sweep it under the rug. If, if you can get through one of these learning experiences the first time, it, it always will be easier than the second or the third time. As one who's been through second and third and fourth times, it never does seem to get easier. Only more obvious. <laughs> it would be okay to laugh at that. <clears throat> so, I, I think... That's, that's probably where I should end tonight. But, you know, I, I want to encourage all of us to, to come to the Lord and, and ask that question. You know, God knows where our country is. He, he knows what's happening. Uh, he's not surprised. Uh, and, Lord, am I part of the problem or part of the solution? And when he says yes, <laughs> which he, he, he will, I'm sure, ask him how you can better be a part of the solution. And, Maybe together we can just repent for being part of the problem. I think that would be a good thing.
Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you that you're, you're never surprised. Um, there's never anything that happens where you have to say, wow, I never thought of that. You're always ready. You always have the answer. And, and Lord, um, <clears throat> we pray for our nation. Uh, we specifically, Lord, I, I want to pray for the people who identify as, as Christian in our country. That, that you would release that spirit of Elijah in our country to turn the hearts of the children back to you, Father. That there would be a great turning toward you. That that so many of of those people who say they're Christian because they're not Muslim and they're not Buddhist and there there wasn't another answer that sounded good, so they chose Christian. I, I pray that so many millions of those people would be born again, would be saved. And, and Lord, right now we, we come before you. And, and I just ask you to agree with this prayer. Uh, Lord, forgive us for being part of the problem. For being part of the reason that our, our country is where it is. And, and Father, we, we pray that you would show us how to be more part of the solution. I, I pray that you would bring us onto heavenly ground, that we would know what the will of God is. And that would be our focus. Lord, we have nowhere else to go. You, you have the words of life. You are the answer, so we come to you. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Right here among us in this city. In Jesus' name, amen. So be blessed.